Chapter Thirty Four of Tales of a Traveller by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter Thirty Four. Wolfert Weber or Golden Dreams, Part Two. He was a man of Walloon race and illustrious for the antiquity of his line his great-grandmother having been the first white child born in the province but he was still more illustrious for his wealth and dignity he had long filled the noble office of alderman and was a man to whom the governor himself took off his hat he had maintained possession of the leathern bottom chair from time immemorial and had gradually waxed in bulk as he sat in his seat of government until in the course of years he filled its whole magnitude his word was decisive with his subjects for he was so rich a man that he was never expected to support any opinion by argument the landlord waited on him with peculiar officiousness not that he paid better than his neighbors but then the coin of a rich man seemed always to be so much more acceptable the landlord had always a pleasant word and a joke to insinuate in the ear of the august Ram. It is true, Ram never laughed, and never indeed maintained a mastiff-like gravity, and even surliness of aspect, and he now and then rewarded mine host with a token of approbation, which, though nothing more nor less than a kind of grunt, yet delighted the landlord more than a broad laugh from a poorer man. This will be a rough night for the money-diggers said mine host as a gust of wind howled round the house and rattled at the windows what are they at their works again said an english half-pay captain with one eye who was a frequent attendant at the inn ay are they said the landlord and well may they be they've had luck of late they say a great pot of money has been dug up in the field just behind stuyvesant's orchard folks think it must have been buried there in old times by peter stuyvesant the dutch governor fudge said the one-eyed man-of-war as he added a small portion of water to a bottom of brandy well you may believe it or not as you please said mine host somewhat nettled but everybody knows that the old governor buried a great deal of his money at the time of the dutch troubles when the english redcoats seized on the province they say too the old gentleman walks ay and in the very same dress that he wears in the picture which hangs up in the family house fudge said the half-pay officer fudge if you please but didn't corny von zant see him at midnight stalking about in the meadow with his wooden leg and a drawn sword in his hand that flashed like fire and what can he be walking for but because people have been troubling the place where he buried his money in old times here the landlord was interrupted by several guttural sounds from ram rapali betokening that he was laboring with the unusual production of an idea as he was too great a man to be slighted by a prudent publican mine host respectfully paused until he should deliver himself the corpulent frame of this mighty burgher now gave all the symptoms of a volcanic mountain on the point of an eruption first there was a certain heaving of the abdomen not unlike an earthquake 
then was emitted a cloud of tobacco smoke from that crater his mouth then there was a kind of rattle in his throat as if the idea were working its way up through a region of phlegm then there were several disjointed members of a sentence thrown out ending in a cough at length his voice forced its way in the slow but absolute tone of a man who feels the weight of his purse if not of his ideas every portion of his speech being marked by a testy puff of tobacco smoke who talks of old peter stuyvesant's walking puff have people no respect for persons puff puff peter stuyvesant knew better what to do with his money than to bury it puff i know the stuyvesant family <laughs> puff every one of them puff not a more respectable family in the province puff old standards <laughs> puff warm householders puff none of your upstarts puff 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 <clears throat> don't talk to me of peter stuyvesant's walking puff 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 here the redoubtable ram contracted his brow clasped up his mouth till it wrinkled at each corner and redoubled his smoking with such vehemence that the cloudly volume soon wreathed round his head as the smoke envelops the awful summit of mount etna a general silence followed the sudden rebuke of this very rich man the subject however was too interesting to be readily abandoned the conversation soon broke forth again from the lips of peachy prawl van hook the chronicler of the club one of those narrative old men who seem to grow incontinent of words as they grow old until their talk flows from them almost involuntarily peachy who could at any time tell as many stories in an evening as his hearers could digest in a month now resumed the conversation by affirming that to his knowledge money had at different times been dug up in various parts of the island the lucky persons who had discovered them had always dreamt of them three times beforehand and what was worthy of remark these treasures had never been found but by some descendant of the good old dutch families which clearly proved that they had been buried by dutchmen in the olden times fiddlestick with your dutchmen cried the half-pay officer that dutch had nothing to do with them they were all buried by kidd the pirate and his crew here a key note was touched that roused the whole company the name of captain kidd was like a talisman in those times and was associated with a thousand marvellous stories the half-pay officer was a man of great weight among the peaceable members of the club by reason of his military character and of the gunpowder scenes which by his own account he had witnessed the golden stories of kidd however were resolutely rivalled by the tales of peachy praw who rather than suffer his dutch progenitors to be eclipsed by a foreign freebooter enriched every spot in the neighbourhood with the hidden wealth of peter stuyvesant and his contemporaries not a word of this conversation was lost upon wolfert weber he returned pensively home full of magnificent ideas of buried riches the soil of his native island seemed to be turned into gold dust and every field teemed with treasure his head almost reeled at the thought how often he must have heedlessly rambled over places where countless sums lay scarcely covered by the turf beneath his feet 
his mind was in a vertigo with this whirl of new ideas as he came in sight of the venerable mansion of his forefathers and the little realm where the webbers had so long and so contentedly flourished his gorge rose at the narrowness of his destiny unlucky wolfert exclaimed he others can go to bed and dream themselves into whole mines of wealth they have but to seize a spade in the morning and turn up doubloons like potatoes but thou must dream of hardship and rise to poverty must dig thy fields from year's end to year's end and yet raise nothing but cabbages wolfert weber went to bed with a heavy heart and it was long before the golden visions that disturbed his brain permitted him to sink into repose the same visions however extended into his sleeping thoughts and assumed a more definite form he dreamt that he had discovered an immense treasure in the centre of his garden at every stroke of the spade he laid bare a golden ingot diamond crosses sparkled out of the dust bags of money turned up their bellies corpulent with pieces of eight or venerable doubloons and chests wedged close with mordoirs ducats and pistorines yawned before his ravished eyes and vomited forth their glittering contents wolfert awoke a poorer man than ever he had no heart to go about his daily concerns which appeared so paltry and profitless but sat all day long in the chimney corner picturing to himself ingots and heaps of gold in the fire the next night his dream was repeated he was again in his garden digging and laying open stores of hidden wealth there was something very singular in this repetition he passed another day of reverie and though it was cleaning day and the house as usual in dutch households completely topsy-turvy yet he sat unmoved amidst the general uproar the third night he went to bed with a palpitating heart he put on his red nightcap wrong side outwards for good luck it was deep midnight before his anxious mind could settle itself into sleep again the golden dream was repeated and again he saw his garden teeming with ingots and money-bags wolfert rose the next morning in complete bewilderment a dream three times repeated was never known to lie and if so his fortune was made in his agitation he put on his waistcoat with the hind part before and this was a corroboration of good luck he no longer doubted that a huge store of money lay buried somewhere in his cabbage field coyly waiting to be sought for and he half repined at having so long been scratching about the surface of the soil instead of digging to the centre he took his seat at the breakfast table full of these speculations asked his daughter to put a lump of gold into his tea and on handing his wife a plate of slapjacks begging her to help herself to a doubloon his grand care now was how to secure this immense treasure without it being known instead of working regularly in his grounds in the daytime he now stole from his bed at night and with spade and pickaxe went to work to rip up and dig about his paternal acres from one end to the other in a little time the whole garden which had presented such a goodly and regular appearance with its phalanx of cabbages like a vegetable army in battle array was reduced to a scene of devastation while the relentless wolfert with nightcap on head and lantern and spade in hand stalked through the slaughtered ranks the destroying angel of his own vegetable world every morning bore testimony to the ravages of the preceding night 
and cabbages of all ages and conditions from the tender sprout to the full-grown head piteously rooted from their quiet beds like worthless weeds and left to wither in the sunshine it was in vain wolfert's wife remonstrated it was in vain his darling daughter wept over the destruction of some favorite marigold thou shalt have gold of another guest sort he would cry chucking her under the chin thou shalt have a string of crooked ducats for thy wedding necklace my child his family began really to fear that the poor man's wits were diseased he muttered in his sleep at night of mines of wealth of pearls and diamonds and bars of gold in the daytime he was moody and abstracted and walked about as if in a trance dame weber held frequent councils with all the old women of the neighborhood not omitting the parish dominie scarce an hour in the day but an odd of them might be seen wagging their white caps together round her door while the poor woman made some piteous recital the daughter too was fain to seek for more frequent consolation from the stolen interviews of her favorite swain dirk waldron the delectable little dutch songs with which she used to dulcify the house grew less and less frequent and she would forget her sewing and look wistfully in her father's face as he sat pondering by the fireside wolfert caught her eye one day fixed on him thus anxiously and for a moment was roused from his golden reveries cheer up my girl said he exultingly why dost thou droop thou shalt hold up thy head one day with the and the Schanerhorns, the von horns and the von dams the patroon himself shall be glad to get thee for his son amy shook her head at this vainglorious boast and was more than ever in doubt of the soundness of the good man's intellect in the meantime wolfert went on digging but the field was extensive and as his dream had indicated no precise spot he had to dig at random the winter set in before one-tenth of the scene of promise had been explored the ground became too frozen and the nights too cold for the labors of the spade no sooner however did the returning warmth of spring loosen the soil and the small frogs begin to pipe in the meadows but wolfert resumed his labors with renovated zeal still however the hours of industry were reversed instead of working cheerily all day planting and setting out his vegetables he remained thoughtfully idle until the shades of night summoned him to his secret labors in this way he continued to dig from night to night and week to week and month to month but not a stiver did he find on the contrary the more he digged the poorer he grew the rich soil of his garden was digged away and the sand and gravel from beneath were thrown to the surface until the whole field presented an aspect of sandy barrenness in the meantime the seasons gradually rolled on the little frogs that had piped in the meadows in early spring croaked as bullfrogs in the brooks during the summer heats and then sunk into silence the peach tree budded blossomed and bore its fruit the swallows and martins came twittered about the roof built their nests reared their young held their congress along the eaves and then winged their flight in search of another spring the caterpillar spun its winding sheet dangled in it from the great buttonwood tree that shaded the house turned into a moth fluttered with the last sunshine of summer and disappeared and finally the leaves of the buttonwood tree turned yellow then brown 
then rustled one by one to the ground, and whirling about in little eddies of wind and dust, whispered that winter was at hand. End of chapter 34 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida